Hey guys, welcome back to the 3 of 7 podcast. We got an awesome episode for you guys today. This is another interview episode. Great conversation with a good friend of ours named Corinne. This will be me, Brooke, and Corinne on the call. Tell you a little bit about Corinne. She is definitely somebody that's worth listening to. She is a U.S. Navy service member. Uh, she served in the Navy since pre-9-11, so she has actually served throughout the course of this entire war. She's deployed to Afghanistan. She was enlisted. Now she's an officer. She does a lot of awesome work, but beyond her career, she's an amazing human being. She's so strong. She's a leader, very conscious of health and fitness. She's a breast cancer survivor. There's a crazy, crazy story around that that she has the courage to share with us today on the 3 of 7 podcast. I hope you get as much out of the conversation as we did. It was so powerful. Thank you, Corinne, for coming on the uh, on the 3 of 7 podcast. Look, going to talk about some sponsors real quick that have brought this episode to you today along with our Patreon members. So first one is Natural Rapport. Natural Rapport makes uncomplicated pet essentials that are gentle, safe, and effective. They are made in the USA. They're awesome. Their new website is www.nattyrap. That's N-A-T-T-Y-R-A-P.com. Go check them out. They've got all the stuff you need on their new website. It's awesome. Brooke, tell us a little bit. Brooke takes care of our dog, so she is very intimate with Natural Rapport. Tell us a little bit about what you think and your experience with them. I love them. I mean, I'm kind of repeating the same things I said last time on the podcast, but it's the truth. We don't feed our dogs treats. We don't go to like Tractor Supply or Walmart and buy treats because I don't trust them because most of them are outsourced. The ingredient list is a mile long and it doesn't have real stuff in it. Um, but I buy treats from Natural Rapport. And this month on their new website, they've come out with a line of supplements. And I just ordered the hip and joint because Jada, our um, one of our dogs is eight and she's starting to slow down a little bit. And I ordered, they have a multivitamin chew. Um, they all have awesome ingredients, um, and I'm super excited to try out their new products. You guys should definitely go look at them. And if you're a dog lover like me, follow Natural Rapport on Instagram because they have the best posts. Yeah, so thank you, baby. Natural mm -hmm. Rapport does a great job, owned by great human yeah, beings, they good really friends are. of ours. So. It yeah, they're through and through, good to go. Thank you for supporting the podcast, Natural Rapport. Our second sponsor for today has been with us since day one. They were the first sponsor ever to invest into the 3 of 7 podcast when we had about zero listeners. Right. So uh, we're thankful for them, and that's Exoskin, guys. I want to tell you, Exoskin is having a sale, a fall sale. Uh, they're going to start their holiday early this year, and just for you guys the three of seven pro code, which is the number three of the number seven for your exoskin products is going to give you now 25% off wow. of your entire purchase that started on November 1st. So we're a little bit late on that, but it's going to run through December the 15th. Any order over 95 bucks after the discount gets a free skull cap. So a free exoskin beanie while supplies last, that's an $18 value on that. 
Um, also, go sign up for their email list to stay up to date on all their newest products. They're about to be rolling some new stuff out, and that'll just be at their website, exoskin.us. You guys know I'm a firm believer in Exoskin. I use their stuff. I've used their stuff for years now, and um, it is worth the investment to go out and buy enough stuff to outfit yourself with Exoskin apparel because it's going to last. It's going to keep is. you comfortable. And, yeah, there's just no better it fitness is. apparel on the market, in my they, opinion. They, they almost made a mistake in the way they made it because everything lasts so long and it keeps the odor away so well. You don't need, like, six pair. No. But go buy six pair, please. <laughs> but, I mean, you've had the same pair for, I swear, two years. Oh, yeah. And, and they still don't stink. Yeah, I mean, you get hundreds and hundreds of miles out of their stuff. So, yeah, go go support the companies that support great. the – Three or seven yeah, great, podcasts. Great Christmas presents too. Both Natural Rapport and uh, Exoskin would yeah. make awesome Christmas socks. presents. Everybody needs more socks. But these are cool socks. Yeah. They're not they're grandma different, socks. For sure. Yeah. So that is our sponsors for today's three or seven podcast episode. Thank you guys for all of your support. Hey, we got uh resurrected rolling out this week, actually, Sunday, November eighth will be the first episode of Resurrected, which will be with me, and it will be for our VIP Patreon supporters. This is a way that me and my team are going to give back to you guys um, on a private platform to thank you and to hopefully give you that added value that you give to us through your monthly support of the podcast. It is huge. It is a tremendous um, driving force for us to know that you guys are enjoying the content enough that you've decided to invest back into the podcast. So it means so much to us. Resurrected starting the 8th. I'll be posting the Zoom link on the Patreon the Patreon account because this is this is this is for our Patreon members. So yeah, we're pumped about that. Thank everybody that's left a review. If you've listened to this podcast, please leave us a review. What does that do? Some freaking way it makes the podcast populate faster in Apple. So it helps us get the word out. So we understand making a financial commitment is a that's a big that's a huge deal. If you could at least just leave us a review, we would really appreciate it. Share the episode with a friend if they might like the content that we're putting out, just as I hope you like it if you're listening. All right, guys. Love you guys. Here is Corinne. Hope you enjoy. Corinne, welcome to the 307 podcast. First of all, I'm so thankful this is happening. Thank you for being patient with us, being flexible, and uh, taking the time to do this interview. I know you've got a powerful story, and I can't wait to dig into it. And awesome. I'm happy to be here. Second of all, how have you not used Zoom yet? I'm really jealous <laughs> that you haven't had to use Zoom in the dang, the dang quarantine phase. So the Navy's using Microsoft Teams. So my life has been run off of Microsoft Teams and phone calls and video meetings and chats and oh, and we're using WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger and every other platform except Zoom. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Well, I, all right. I don't feel <laughs> as bad now. Thank you for clearing yeah. that up. 
Yeah, we just we yeah. just sent uh, Corinne for the listeners. We just sent her a, a link for the the episode here, and she was like, "I got to download Zoom." I was like, "What in the heck? This is the last person in America left that hasn't downloaded Zoom." Yes, <laughs> probably. Seriously, probably. Well, Corinne, I know um, I know Brooks got a ton of questions. I have a ton a ton of questions. I, I kind of want to start out real quick. And uh, I, I cannot have this conversation with you without talking a little bit about your naval career because uh, obviously it's been a huge part of your life. Um, I love to to highlight people like you that have spent a lifetime in service to our country. So got to ask you first, you said you wanted to be in the Navy since you were 14. Why? Mm-hmm. What, what drove you to that? Uh, it was it was kind of funny. So my brother joined the Navy when I was going into my freshman year of high school and I actually missed the first couple of days of high school to go see him graduate from boot camp. And as we're walking around RTC there, I see one of the other divisions doing a counter march. So they're they're marching and they're basically walking in a circle and I'm in, in amongst each other. And I'm like, that's really cool. That's what I want to do. Uh, so I was 14. I went back to my brother's recruiter and the recruiter's like, yeah, you're a little young. So let's, let's do some of this other (laughs) stuff and and we'll talk to you in about four years. So, so I got, got hooked when I was 14. That's so random that, that, that was very random. Yeah. That's what pulled you in. A counter march. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's crazy. And so Corinne, you have been, you have been like you were a pre 9-11 service member. Yes. And so you've yes. literally been fighting for our country and serving our country for the duration of this 20-year war we've now been in. Uh, I could only imagine the op tempo you've had. You were part of the surge. I mean, it's just yes. what in the, I mean, just unbelievable. What what did it, what did it, I, I have to ask you, where, like, what did it feel like when 9-11 happened and you were in the military? I, it's, oh, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, how yeah. did that feel? How did that affect you? Uh, it was pretty profound, and it was it was sad to me at the same time. I mean, of course, it was sad to everybody. But So I had just joined my ship, um, the USS Ashland, in June of 2001, and we very quickly went into a maintenance period in the yards, Um, so we were completely torn apart. Um, we weren't going anywhere at least for another three or four months. And, you know, I, I remember we were up on the deck and we were doing some preservation, had a needle gun in my hand and I stopped to take a break and went and, and got some water or something out of the office and the TV in there just happened to be on. And I watched a video of of the tower on fire and then the second plane come and hit. And I just, I stopped everybody and I was like, is this a joke? And, you know, back then cell phones weren't very prevalent, but I had one. Uh, and it was probably the one day in my Navy career that I have ever left my cell phone at home. <laughs> so I had, I had no way to get a hold of my then husband. Um, I had no way to get a hold of my family. You know, my parents let, let them know that I was okay and that we weren't, you know, just, wrapping up and going but um it it was the the feeling of of being in a position to help but being unable to help because of the situation of our ship uh it was it was awful knowing that we were could possibly be called on and and we couldn't go um so it was it was 
it was difficult to watch that and 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 know that we're stuck yeah so. yeah i bet that was difficult like you said you 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 were probably chomping at the bit like everybody else to to go get in the fight and do what you've wanted to do for your entire life and 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 the daggone ships and the shop man oh like and we all <laughs> We know, I know for a fact, they don't hurry those type of things. Were you at the <laughs> yeah. Norfolk Naval? Uh, we were actually at MHI, okay. um, up the river a little bit by the, by the, um, um, there's a little bridge right there. Um, but yeah, little, little hole in the wall shipyard. The, the ship I was on wasn't very big, but, um, yeah, it was, it was tough. You, you know what that you know what that does though it speaks to the fighting spirit of America that when when crap hits the fan the members of our military at least the the large majority of them want to run and get in the fight mm-hmm. I mean that's the fighting spirit of America I don't think any other country can can even match that we don't even ask questions we're just like hey somebody's messing with us let's go man yeah. That is awesome. All right. And yeah. then I got to ask you, uh, moving moving forward with your career, I got to ask you why you made the switch from enlisted to officer. And for the listeners that that are, that are don't know what that means, it, it, that's a big, big transition from an enlisted man, which is, you know, no, you, you don't have to have a college education. That's what I was. I was enlisted. Um, it's, it's not, you know, you're, you're not as in high level management positions and decision making positions as, as an, uh, an enlisted person as, as you would be as an officer. So that's a huge jump. That takes a lot of work. That's a big transition. What drove you to that? And, uh, what, what kept you going through that process? Cause I know it wasn't easy. Uh, it, it wasn't easy, but it was, so after, after I went and talked to my brother's recruiter, he got me connected with a program called Sea Cadets and it's kind of like junior ROTC that's in the high schools, but it's not affiliated with the high schools. Uh, it's a standalone program kind of run by the Navy league. And in, in that program, we are enlisted members. So we are, we start out as senior recruits and we work our way out all the way to chief and we can earn a, an advanced rank when we, when, and if we do join. Um, so I learned a lot about the Navy and I learned a lot about what I wanted to do while I was in there. Um, but the other half of me is, is a, is a daughter, right? And my father is a civil engineer. So I, very much a daddy's girl and I've always wanted to be a civil engineer and I knew at some point I wanted to do that in the Navy I just didn't know how yet so I had learned about the CBs um, the construction battalions in the Navy and that was what I wanted to do um, because I knew I could learn the construction side of it I could learn part of the engineering side of it and then eventually switch over and and become an officer and be a civil engineer and work in the civil engineer corps and and kind of just live my dream. Well, I had uh, my my CO, my commanding officer from my sea cadet unit uh, sat with me and my recruiter. And I, when I told the recruiter that I wanted to be a CB, my commanding officer says, he's like, you don't want to be a CB, you'll drive bulldozers for the rest of your career. I was like, <laughs> um, Okay. Yeah, right. CBs so are that, bad to the bone, man. CBs are bad. I've never met a CB in the Navy that I didn't like. 
We had them at the seal yeah. platoons. They would augment our platoons. I mean, they were just gritty, man. Yes. Yeah. They are some of the hardest working guys out there, guys and gals out there, and they're pretty amazing. So, so I knew again, from the time I was 15 or 16, that I wanted to spend some time enlisted because I had learned through sea cadets that you'll never have the same types of experiences and be able to empathize and sympathize with your troops if you don't have that enlisted experience. So I knew that I was gonna go in enlisted, I was gonna finish my civil engineering degree, and eventually I was going to commission. I just didn't know what that path was going to be. Um, there's a couple different programs in the Navy, and one of them is called the Seaman to Admiral 21 or 21st Century um, Commissioning Program, and that is a program that any rank in the Navy, you have to meet a minimum t service time, but any rank can apply for this program and get accepted. You go to college, you have three years to finish your bachelor's degree, and then you commission into hopefully your choice of branches as, as an officer. Um, so I looked into the program. I knew the only branch that I wanted to do was, was to be a civil engineer. I wanted to go into the civil engineer corps. There was no other option for me. I didn't want to be a ship driver. I didn't want to be a submarine officer. Well, that wasn't open to, to females at the time, but I just wanted to be a, 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 a CB because, and, and a civil engineer. So, um, so when I was looking at this program, it wasn't open to any rates. Civil Engineer Corps was not open to any rates other than CBs. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to shore duty, work on some college, get out, finish my bachelor's degree, and, and then come back in through a different path. When I went to shore duty, I checked in with my uh, command master chief, this, the senior enlisted member of our command, and I said, Master Chief, I'm, I love the Navy and I'm going to come back. I said, but I'm, I'm going to get out and I'm going to go to school. He's like, you're not getting out. I said, Master Chief, this, I, I'm coming back in, but I'm getting out. He said, you're not getting out. I said, okay. Well, six months later, the message for the new fiscal year program for Seaman Admiral came out and they had opened Civil Engineer Corps to all rates in the Navy. So I tucked my tail and went down to Master Chief's office. I said, uh, Master Chief, I'm gonna apply for Seaman Admiral. He said, I told you you weren't getting out. I said, well, I have to get accepted first, right? So I had about a month and a half or two months to put my package together and somehow I did it and and got, got accepted first time I applied, um, which was humbling to say the least because it's a very competitive program. There's people that apply multiple times um, and I was, I was blessed to be able to pursue my dream, you know, and, and, and I've been successful and I am now living my dream every day. I am a civil engineer. I am currently stationed with a construction battalion, a Naval mobile construction battalion. I am their training officer and I, I, I love my job every day. I love going to work. And for, for people like me, um, you guys are both in the Navy Seaman to admiral, like what's, why is becoming an admiral such a thing? No, I mean, it's not becoming an admiral. It's just basically going from enlisted to officer. So it's going from. But isn't admiral a really high rank? Yeah, yeah, but that's, that's just that's what they what call I'm, the program. Well, that's, that you're missing. I think Corinne understood oh. what I was asking. Like what is, yeah, what so is admiral? A seaman is, is the most junior rank in the Navy. 
and, and an admiral is the most senior rank in the Navy. And the purpose of this program is that anybody at any rank can apply and they can make it all the way to an admiral. So you can go from the lowest rank in the Navy all the way to the most senior rank in the Navy. And there's been a few people that have done that. Um, and it's, it's just incredible when you get to talk to people that have been every rank in between and, and just their experience and their time frame and um, so it was it was pretty powerful when they when they when Admiral Borda came up with this program. That's awesome. Dude, but you know, the coolest part about this part of our conversation is your answer to why you chose to be enlisted first mm-hmm. and then go to be an officer. Because look, everybody just wants to go straight to the top. They, everybody just wants the shortcut. They they want to be the manager. They want to be the freaking boss. Yep. And what they don't understand is is that you're never going to be the best leader that you can possibly be unless you know what's going on down on the ground level. Right. The dudes that are that are in in the trenches getting their hands dirty. Not that officers don't do that. The officers can go get their hands dirty too if they so choose to. But that was that 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 hit the nail on the head for me, man, because staying on the ground level with everybody else, if if you're in charge of someone or you're coaching someone or you're mentoring someone, you best know or have an understanding of what their life is like. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, if you haven't been there, then you are not in the place to give that person any advice. No. And that's what's so cool about the answer that you gave, Corinne. And, I, and I the, love that. The fact that you did that preemptively, you know what I mean? Like you thought it through that far ahead. Like that's, that's crazy. Yeah, and I don't, you know, people ask me how I ever got... I just knew what my ultimate goal was. My ultimate goal was to be a civil engineer. And I knew that I wanted to do that in the Navy. So I had to find a way, whatever that path was going to be, to get there. And I also knew that when I graduated high school, I wasn't ready to go to college. So that, you know, I, I wanted that time to grow and mature and to learn and to experience and to be able to take that throughout my career and we're gonna hit some of the big obstacles that you ran into um later in your life here in a minute but were there any thing were there anything that's any events that stick out to you in that career um that were really hard any adversities you came up against You know, I wish I could say there was. Um, I was blessed with a lot of really good leaders and and some really bad ones, um, but I learned a lot from all of them. And and if something did come up, I dug deep and pushed through. And, you know, I I never took my eye off the ball. I knew where the priority was, you know, mission, mission ship, shipmate. Um, And I just always made sure that I was, I was, stepping in that direction and, and doing what needed to be done. So, I mean, there's always challenges in every, every job that you take, no matter where you're at. Um, but I just worked hard every day to make sure that I was the best weapons tech that I could be. I was a fire controlman, um, you know, and, and I knew my job and, and I just, I made sure that I was above board and above reproach so that no one could, no one could say anything. Yeah. So. Yeah, and you you never argue with the master chief. That was the second lesson from the first. <laughs> the first. Yeah. You never freaking argue with a salty master yeah. chief, man. 
Yeah. All right. So, you know, it was really cool about that mass chief um, about it was probably about seven years later. He was retired, but I was a lieutenant and I was working on the waterfront at Norfolk and I walked on board one of the ships there and he was there as a contractor. And and I saw him and he's like, you have got to be kidding me. He's like, this is, this is year. So that was it was really cool to see him again and, and you know, prove him right, I guess. Yes. Yeah. No, so. that's awesome. Uh, and I, I got to hit one more thing on, on the Navy career before we kind of move into some other aspects of your life, Corinne. And uh, a lot of people may not understand what a CB is. A CB is like build stuff. They, they build mm-hmm. stuff, but they can also fight. Um, so when we go into a country like Afghanistan, like Iraq, and we need to set up bases, forward operating bases, we stuff, infrastructure has to be created. So that, that's what CBs do. But like I say, mm-hmm. they can also wield a rifle. They have to. They're yeah. the first ones there with no backup building yep. stuff, right? Exactly, yeah. I mean, and so Corinne spent nine months in Afghanistan. Nine months in a war zone. That is a long deployment. Um, I, I just got to get... Do you have like a top story or a lesson or something from that deployment? Because that's a that's a heck of an accomplishment. A nine month deployment to Afghanistan as a CB. That's no joke. During wartime. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. So I was on um, a provincial reconstruction team and we had a detachment of CBs with us. Um, and we had the opportunity to be working with the local government and their officials. And in the capacity of an engineer, I was working with the local water engineer. Um, and we were able to provide them training and, and give them tools in their toolbox to provide better services for their, for their citizens, for their constituents. Um, we help them with irrigation and we help them with other farming methods and we help them provide fresh water to villages that weren't getting it at the time. Um, and just being able to see the love and dedication that they have for each other and for their country. It, it's just, it's, it's humbling because we don't, until you're in a, a country that is not as affluent as the U S is, you don't realize how good you have it. Um, and we take a lot of stuff for granted. And when you see people living in, you know, something that we would consider the size of a, a, a shack and they're perfectly happy, you know, they're perfectly happy. They go to their well every day. They may not have electricity. They're still, you know, living with candles. And if we can provide them a little bit of 21st century something to give their crops a better chance or, um, you know, running water just in the middle of the village. I mean, they're just so thankful. And to be able to be a part of that and to help them better themselves and, and help them move forward was just, it, it was just a blessing. Um, there were scary moments. Um, and I remember, you know, the first patrol, dismounted patrol that was outside the wire when we were going to check a project. Um, it was, it was an eerie feeling walking down the street where, you know, we're all up in battle rattle and carrying guns and there's just civilians lined in the street. And here we are, we've got MRAPs in front of us, MRAPs behind us, mounted, you know, mounted weapons. And, and this is just their life. And here we are rolling down their street, like, like we own it. So it was a little bit of a juxtaposition and, and, um, 
a mental shift to be able to get in the mindset to be there for that long. But it was definitely, I wouldn't say a favorite tour, but it was definitely a very impactful tour. Yeah, that's a that's a life changer when you get to see that type of environment, whether it's in South America or Africa or the Middle East, when you see those what you what we call third world countries and and what they don't have and what we take for granted it it sticks with you the rest of your life at least it has with me um and uh did did complacency ever play a role in that deployment or were you did you were you able to stay pretty locked on nine months straight because i know complacency is something i try to warn people about all the time the better you get the more dangerous complacency becomes yeah, it, it definitely did towards the end. Um, and, and our skipper got on us pretty hard. You know, we, we, we were playing soccer with the kids. And, and as we were coming back from that patrol, we were just kind of walking across the field, not paying attention. And, and he, he kind of got into us. Thankfully, nothing happened, but we, we definitely straightened up after that. Yep. Yep, the the end, man, the end of the the, uh, deployment or the end of whatever mission is, whatever mission you're on in life, uh, that's usually the most dangerous part of the mission is right there when you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. So be on guard against that complacency, guys, if you're listening. So Yeah, well, um, yeah, Corinne, walk us through. So that deployment was in 2012. Um, 2013 is kind of when you said you got into fitness, got serious about lifting and I'm guessing just taking care of your body. Walk us through that period of your life leading up to your diagnosis in March of 2016. Yeah. So when, you know, we, as busy as we are in deployment, we also have a lot of downtime. Um, so I really started getting into fitness. I started getting into TRX, which I absolutely loved. It was fun. It was something that we could do as a group. Uh, and, and, and we, I was working out twice a day and, um, you know, just really enjoying learning about my body and how things change and, and how I could make it stronger. You know, when I, when I went into that deployment, I was, uh, I was probably a little bit overweight. No, I definitely was overweight. Um, and I found, especially through training, when we were training with all of our, our Kevlar and our vests and our weapons, and I was like, wow, man, I'm carrying an extra 50 pounds of gear, but I also have an extra 30 pounds of weight on my body right now, right? So um, I really started talking with our command fitness leader, and I said, I said, hey, Cephas, I said, I need your help. I said, I, I want to be better. This is not who I want to be as a person or as an officer. Um, and he said, don't worry about it, ma'am. I got you. I said, we'll get you strong. So I was working with him and learned a lot from Richard Cephas. I will never forget him. Um, he, uh, he, he really started instilling in me the love of fitness. Um, I had always been a runner but never into strength training. So that really started my love of strength training. Um, so I came home from that deployment. I was, you know, I had dropped the weight. I was feeling good. I was thin. I was strong, but I still didn't quite have that nutrition part that lockdown, right? That's always the hardest part. Um, so especially, especially when you're eating MREs. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> MREs and DFAC. It's, yeah. it's not, not. Not the easiest. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just had to throw that in there. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're totally true. It's totally, yeah, they're, 
MREs, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> as I get ready to go in the field for a month and eat MREs for a month straight. Um, yeah. So, so when I got home, I went back to Suffolk um, and I was training for a half marathon. So I wasn't totally looking for a gym at the, at the moment. I wanted to get through the, through the half marathon, but I, I knew that I wanted to get back into that strength training and um, Suffolk was having like their taste of Suffolk or whatever. And CFIT had just opened and uh, I was like, wow, where did this come from? Like, it was this cute little boutique gym and they had these awesome individual classes and um, they did personal training. And I was like, this is really cool. So got through the, uh, um, through the half marathon and I immediately joined CFIT and I just, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with having a barbell. how it made me feel as a woman to feel strong. You know, it wasn't just about being thin anymore. It was about being strong and being capable and, yes. and seeing what my body could do. Love that. So, yeah. So that's kind of how I got into it. Um, and I ran a few more half marathons in between there and um, did a couple of, did I start into triathlons at that point? I don't think so. I think that was after mostly, but so you, yeah, so that kind of kicked it off. You've, you've hit a peak point. Life's going good. Um, you got, mm -hmm. you're in shape. I mean, I'm assuming your career was, was climbing. Everything around you was going well. Yeah. And then you got diagnosed yeah. with breast cancer. Yeah. So my mother was actually diagnosed in January of 2016, um, which is what prompted me. She was diagnosed with breast cancer, wow. um, which is what prompted me to go get checked. I was 35. Um, I had always had tender spots in my breasts that were maybe not normal. Um, you know, but the, the doctor would check him every year. He's like, yeah, you're okay. You're okay. And I finally went and told him, I said, look, I said, mom was just diagnosed. I, even if, if, even if I don't have another mammogram until I'm 40, I just want to go get a baseline. Right. So he said, okay. So we scheduled a mammogram, scheduled a, an ultrasound because I did have a couple of spots. Um, and one in, in each breast really that weren't quite normal. Um, so went in for the mammogram, um, they did the ultrasound right away and the doc was like, yeah, we're going to go do a biopsy on this spot. I just happened to be the only, the only patient in the clinic that morning. And, um, so they could do the biopsy right away. Um, and how old so are that was you on at this 35. point? 35. 35. Yeah. I was, Sorry, Corinne. Didn't mean to so fairly young, fairly young to be diagnosed. Um, but yeah, after the biopsy, they called me three days later. We had actually, I had traveled up to Buffalo uh, to be with my mother for her breast cancer surgery. Um, and as she was basically coming out of surgery, the doc called from the hospital and, and uh, I'll never forget his words. And everybody is like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he said that. But he's like, well, it's as we expected. It's, it's, it's breast cancer. And I was like, well, I'm glad you expected that because I certainly didn't. Right? Um, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. So, so between between mom and and me, my kind, my world kind of got flipped upside down in uh, March of 2016. Gosh, what was what were your first? Do you remember your first kind of set of thoughts? I know you had a lot going on, but do you remember like? 
Um, so the, the next thing that the doctor said to me was the breast clinic will call you. They are going to set up an appointment for you next week. Um, and my plan was, and continued to be, was to be with my mother after her surgery. So maybe it was a, a self-preservation or I didn't want to believe it or whatever. But my first thought was, no, I need to be here with my mother. My surgery, my treatment, my whatever can wait. It's not that big of a deal. Um, but my husband quickly corrected that. And so did my father. <laughs> um, and uh, it just, my husband was very matter of fact about it all. He, he kept me from what ifing everything and, you know, fearing the worst and we take it one step at a time. We don't try to speculate. Um, we wait, even though it's hard, we wait for the results from whatever tests are coming, whatever suggestions the docs have, you know, and, and we really trust our medical team that they're going to lead us in the right direction. Um, so that's, that's kind of what we did. We just, we took it one step at a time. You know, so many people can just get on the internet these days and, and just be Googling everything and scare yourself half to death with what, if, what happens when, you know, and I just, I, I made a promise to myself and, and to my husband that I wasn't going to do that. And we would just let, let the doctors lead us. And I think that really helped me to not go off the deep end. Gosh, man. And how did you have to put your career on hold or were you able to keep working? Uh, I kept working. I kept working through it all, really. My my command, my core, my civil engineer core family uh, really came around me and they said, whatever you need, whatever time you need, we will give you that time. We They, they transferred me to a different command to a lesser, less stressful job. The job I had at the time, I was, I was running the waterfront at Norfolk Naval Station. Um, so I certainly couldn't stay there. Um, they transferred me to a, to a job where it was okay if I was gone. Um, and they, they gave me the time and the space I needed to, to get treatment and get through surgeries and recover. Um, and, you know, the minute I was ready, back to back to the grind I went and and they were they were there for me Art. So. well that I mean that's that is the not not only is it amazing that Corinne survived breast cancer that she that she endured that she went went through it used those tools of of breaking it down and and staying present and taking it one step at a time she did all that but she never missed a lick man yeah, I, I I remember Brooke telling me like, oh yeah, I remember Brooke telling me no, like, Corinne's come came out to this workout like. No, let me tell that real quick. Yeah. I will never forget Corinne. I use you all the time. Like the other day, I thought about you. I was doing a beach body workout, and like I felt mm -hmm. just fatigued, and I was tired, and my body hurt, and it. I was just like, oh, everything was telling me to stop, and. I have a lot of people in my mind that I fall back on for inspiration, but I always think of you. It was chaos. It was a weightlifting workout we did at like, what, 5.45 in the morning. And we were working yeah. out, and you were working out really hard. And you had to sit down, and you got really pale. And I was like, oh, my God, dude, are you okay? 
And you were like, what were you taking? You were on radiation or chemo or both? I was on chemo. Chemo. Yeah, you were on, on chemo. chemo. And you were just crushing it at the gym, like about to pass out. You sat there for a second <laughs> and then like you got back up and finished the workout. And I was like, I just think back, like your body had to feel terrible. It, it did. And, and part of me continuing to work out like that was probably not the healthiest. Um, I probably should have taken a little bit easier, but that was, it was my way of, of proving to myself that I still had control of my body. Um, and there were some times that I probably shouldn't have been there. Um, but it also gave me that routine and that grounding that I needed something that was normal that I knew was always going to be there. Um, I knew that cancer wasn't going to last forever. I knew that chemo wasn't going to last forever. And I just needed some sense of normalcy and, and to maintain my life as I knew it so that I didn't just sit on the couch and feel terrible after, you know, my treatments. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I used fitness to, to kind of keep my, keep control of my body and, and my mind. And it really, really helped me. Look, if you guys are listening to this, please take a lesson from Corinne right now. Like she has, she's really did inspire Brooke and me. I remember seeing Corinne. I didn't go to see fit as much as Brooke, but I remember seeing Corinne in see fit when she was in the midst of her treatment and um and I was like is this even for real is, is she really <laughs> coming and I'm in, I'm I was an active duty navy seal at the point like I'm used yeah. to being around tough people but I was like is this really even happening i mean i just i just want people to understand like the the depth of this commitment and the depth of the courage and, and just, just get it, man. The strength like that exists. That exists within you. If mm -hmm. you're listening to this, it's somewhere in you. Know that 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 is Corinne is a testament to the human strength that that lies within us, man. Mm -hmm. We we can we can maintain control in the midst of chaos. Yep. But we got to use these tools, just like Corinne's talking about. Right, we got to surround ourselves with the right people. We have to want to maintain control, and we can't just sit down on the couch, feel sorry about our situation, and give up on life. I mean, what you did was astounding. It should have been on television. <laughs> Somebody should have made a dang television show about it. Well, and and Karen, are you comfortable talking about your surgery and kind of like how that affected you? Yeah. So I, um, I, I only had cancer in one breast. It was in my left breast. Um, but because of my age and the type of cancer, I had invasive ductal carcinoma, uh, which means that the cancer started in one of my milk ducts and had grown to the point where it had broken out of the milk duct and had invaded the tissue around it. So it was no longer contained um, and, and my age, the stage of the cancer, it was, it was a stage one, but it was almost stage two. And the type of cancer, um, really said to my medical team, they're like, you can, you can do a lumpectomy, you can do a single mastectomy, or you can do a bilateral mastectomy, 
um, and, and really decrease your chances to almost almost nothing of a recurrence. In layman's um, terms, so, that is complete removal of the breasts. Nothing yes. left. Yes. Sorry. Go right. On. So I went in um, and and my husband and I hadn't even left the office from that initial meeting when we decided that that was that was what we were going to do. Um, it took me, you know, I, I, my mind made the decision very quickly um, because it was the logical thing to do. I was 35. It, if I didn't choose to do a bilateral mastectomy, it would have impacted my career as far as where I could be stationed simply because I would have to always be near some sort of medical facility that I would be able to have regular tests and regular scans. And I'd be sitting around waiting for that next shoe to drop. You know, I didn't, I was 35. I didn't want to have to worry about cancer for the rest of my life. Excuse me. So my mind made the decision. It took my heart a little bit longer to, to wrap itself around the fact that I was going to be losing both of my breasts. Um, but the logical mind won. And, uh, you know, I, I had a couple breakdowns, but once we got to the day, it, there was no question that was what needed to happen. And, uh, and so I did. How can you kind of, are you able, cause I can't imagine, I mean, I know I'm trying to think of something comparable for men and I don't think there is one. Um, it's, it's part of you. It's part of your identity. And are you able to break down kind of how you went through that process and like, how did you come in out of surgery? How did you come out of surgery and learn to look in the mirror and love yourself and like be proud of yourself and not, you know, that's, I just, I just can't imagine. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I, I joke sometimes, and, and this is one of the, the quote unquote breast cancer jokes that's out there. There's some t-shirts that say, uh, yes, they're fake. My, my first set tried to kill me. Um, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so, and, and that's just kind of how I thought about it. You know, it, it was a, a, my body betrayed me, you know, not on purpose, I don't think, but there was something wrong and it needed to be taken care of. And, um, it just, it, it was what it was. And, and it, it also went back to that, you know, don't, what if everything to death, don't, don't second guess the decision that you made. This is where you are. This is the, you know, you had options. This was the option that you chose. And now this is your new, new normal. Um, I think what helped is my surgeon started the reconstruction right away. So they did the mastectomy, but I didn't come out of surgery completely flat. They put in what they call tissue expanders um, and then closed the tissue around that. And so I, I came out with some sort of mound on my chest. So, <laughs> yeah. I, so that helped a little bit. Those things are the most uncomfortable thing ever. I wouldn't wish them on my worst enemy. Mm. Um, but over imagine. the next couple of months, yeah, they're not, they're not fun at all, uh, but they serve a purpose and they, um, what they do is they expand their tissue expanders. So they expand like basically like a water balloon under my skin and they make room to have implants put in. So as, as they expanded those and my chest became somewhat recognizable again and the scars healed and they faded and, um, 
you know, it was, it was easier to look at myself and to know that I had made the right decision and just be at peace with that decision that I had made. All right. This is a prime example. All right. You have, you are the prime example of so many dang things, Corinne. I saw a dang post on Instagram today. It said, let your emotions guide you. And this was a major influencer on Instagram with millions of followers. I won't say the name, but it said, let your emotions guide you. And I thought, wow, you're really give boy, you're really giving some good advice. Look, listen to what Corinne just said. My logical mind won. Mm-hmm. All right. My logical mind won. Your emotions are poor leaders. I am sorry. Yes, they are poor leaders. They are ever changing. They're they're Mm -hmm. not. They they they're just a lot of times they're not set in foundation in the foundation of logic, right? Mm -hmm. So you are the prime example of that of allowing your logical mind or you know the 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 evidence of making a good decision the the foundation of good solid principles and medical advice and all that stuff mm-hmm. you took that in and like you said even though you had a cut you had some breakdowns man and it was it took your heart quite a while to to wrap around that idea you did not let your emotions lead you and you just freaking Boom. It's a common theme within your life, Corinne, that I, you don't I, get caught up in. Yeah. I, I just cannot believe that people are putting out this advice to let your emotions lead you. And people are like, oh, yeah, the emotions are the GPS of the heart. I'm like, are you freaking serious? Where do you, you don't know where you're going to wind up. You start letting your emotions yeah. lead you in every decision that you make. No. You'll be on the most crooked path you've ever seen. Amen to that, yep. man. I mean, what a wasted energy. What, yes. I mean that that's prime time right there, man. I mean, it what is. an example of that. Enough said. Nothing else need you, you cannot give it a better <laughs> example of letting the logical mind win over your emotions. Yeah, but I don't know, like Corinne, so I struggle with that a lot. And I feel like it's it's been a common theme with you. Do you feel like that's something that was innate, something that you've always had, or you had to learn that kind of let's you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I've I I mean I'm I'm an emotional person, but I've just always been very logical with decisions and, and very deliberate with decisions and um I guess, yeah, I guess it was just innate. It's just who I am. And it's crazy. I'm jealous. Yeah. And there's yeah. not, there's nothing wrong with being emotional and emotions are great servants. <laughs> they serve you. They make you who you are, yeah. right? They, they right. help you in relationships and all that. Like it make you who you are, but they are poor leaders. So, and yeah. you know, I think too, for me, I mean, living the life you've lived, Corinne, and, and being a, 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 a warrior and a service member and a, and a leader within our our military, it's like you have to think with a logical mind. And, and I'm, I'm sure at some in some way, shape, or form, your career has played into that. My, I know mine did substantially. I, I can remember before I joined the Navy, you know, I would definitely follow my emotions way more than, than after that experience. It's, a, it's such an amazing journey, isn't it? 
Yeah. Yeah. And there's still, I mean, there's, there's times that, um, I, I have an amazing senior chief right now that I work very closely with. Um, he keeps me from going what we call high and right. Uh, I do get wound up. I get spun up. Um, but I'm, I'm learning and I've, I've come really far with it to not, to not fly off the handle and, and allow myself to, to end up even higher and farther right and to just kind of bring myself back down, center myself, listen to the details, listen to, you know, every side of everything, gather all of the information and make sure that I'm making a sound logical decision that is not led by emotion. And, and that way we can move forward and, and make the right decision. Cause it's not just about me at this point. It's not about making the right decision for me. It's about making the right decision for my battalion. You know, I have 630 people that are relying on me to make sure that they're getting the training that they need to certify, to be able to go out the door on deployment and do some things, you know, whatever the, whatever the country calls on us, you know, we never know what we're going to be called to do. And, and if I'm allowing my emotions to lead me because somebody made me mad and didn't do what I told them to do, you know, that, we're not going to get anywhere. It's not going to benefit anybody. So making sure that I have all the. I want to ask Corinne, just, I want to give her the opportunity real quick to speak freely for any, any woman that, that might be listening to this. We we're at over uh, a quarter million downloads right now, Corinne on this podcast, uh, three or seven podcasts. So undoubtedly there is another woman out there that's listening that's going through something similar or even a man that's going through something that can relate to to what we just talked about with cancer and, and driving forward. And, yes. you know, there's tons of lessons that, that we've already covered. But before we move into what you're doing now, I just want to give you the opportunity to speak freely if there's anything that you left on the table that you would put out to another man or woman that's kind of going through the same situation. Well, I want to say something real quick to before we close that door is something that I was just thinking about that I've noticed that's such a it's such a common thing with your story, especially when you were going through breast cancer, is you maintained your identity. You never let mm. any of this stuff take your identity away from you. And I feel like that's what happens to a lot of people in a really deep struggle, you know? You, you lose what yeah. makes you happy and yeah. who you are. But, Good point. Sorry. Which that, that kind of actually goes into what I was going to say from Chad's question. Um, you can't try to control the things that are out of your control. So you can't control the fact that you've got cancer. It's not something that you catch by somebody breathing on you. It's, <laughs> it's a damaged cell in your body that has grown into something that shouldn't be there. And now you have to literally fight for your life. And the only way that you can do that and come out the other side, a stronger person is to just continue to be who you are and can control, control what you can control, control your reaction to, um, to the treatment, to the, to whatever news your doctor has, you know, just don't let, the, the, the cancer, the challenge, the struggle, whatever it might be, consume you, you know, remember that you are a strong person, that this is just one crossroad, not even a roadblock, it's a crossroad, which you have the choice of which way you're going to go and, and how you're going to react to the struggle, to whatever that struggle is. And, and if you sit back and take a look at where you are and what your options are and 
sure, I could have sat on the couch and woe is me and I don't feel well and, um, you know, just kind of let it consume me. But that's, that's not who I am. Like that's, I didn't want this. I didn't, I didn't need, I didn't want the sympathy. I didn't want people to, to feel like they had to walk on eggshells around me. Like I'm still me. I'm still strong. I'm still capable. I'm still able to work and to do these things. And, and that just, that is what I want everybody to know. Like the thing is what the thing is and how you react to it is what's going to define you going forward awesome. and you control that. That's a, yeah. That's yeah. a warrior's mindset, man. Yeah. You're a, you're a dang warrior. That's a warrior's mindset. That's what that is. Uh, I just do me. That's <laughs> <laughs> just who I am. Well, Corinne, uh, I mean, amazing. That That's a value pack. We could end the episode right there and it'd be, be totally packed with value for, for the listeners. I mean, but I, I definitely want to talk about what you're doing now because uh, we follow you on social media and some of the pictures of you, man, you are ripped. Yes. You are ripped. You are crushing it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I I know Brooke has some questions for you about macros. You guys, I know she's doing that thing. That's not really my deal, but the listeners yeah. may want to hear about it. And uh, just kind of what you got going on now. Maybe you want to, you want to. Ask your ask your macro no, questions. No, I just we talk we talk a lot about taking care of you know body is one of the aspects of three of seven project, <laughs> and I feel like like I've lost weight and I'm starting to get more lean muscle and building more muscle since you turned me onto this like what three weeks ago four weeks ago, and I feel like it's something that a lot of people don't know is an option, um, and I'll let you talk about the freedom and all the great parts about it, but. It, just, just open your ears, you know, if you're struggling to find a diet that works for you, cause this, this is an option. Yeah. So I did, I mean, like I said earlier, you know, nutrition was just one of those things that had never really clicked for me. I never found some, so many people were like, Oh, I've done this or I've done whole 30. I've done weight watchers. I've done all these things. And I could just never find anything that I could stick to. Right. So, so treatment is, is, even though I worked out throughout, um, much to my doctor's dismay right after surgery, um, <laughs> you know, I still, due to the steroids and the chemo and everything, I put on quite a bit of weight and, and I was just finding that I, that I couldn't drop it. I, I couldn't get my, my meals right. I couldn't get my calorie intake right. I couldn't do anything. And I did a whole 30 and I did, um, you know, many, many, many moons ago, it was slim, fast and salads, you know, but there was yeah. never anything sustainable. And it was like, there's got, yeah, right. Slim, fast and salads. Um, excuse me. I always knew that there had to be something more science-based. Now, I'm an engineer, right? So science, math, energy balance is energy balance. And I knew that there had to be something more to a, a sustainable diet than, um, just restricting everything that I loved, right? Because carbs are bad and sweets are bad and cookies are bad. And, you know, you eat chicken, rice, broccoli, that's it. Right. And I'm like, there's gotta be something else. So I, I can't even really tell you how we got on the subject, but one of the girls that we were at CFIT with actually turned me on to this Facebook page that was macros Inc. And she didn't really talk about it much. In fact, I think I might've just seen 
a random post of hers on the page or something. And I, and I joined the page and I started looking into this stuff and I'm like, what are macros? And only one other time had I heard one person or seen one person mention macros and they're like, um, oh, I'm tracking macros. I was like, okay. So I Google it real quick and I was like, oh, you got to weigh food. What? No, I'm not doing that. Right. <laughs> I think that's everybody's, most everybody's first reaction to this. Right. So, so macros is macros are, um, what our food, all of our food, no matter what kind of food it is, are made up of. It's proteins, carbs, and fats that we consume every day. Um, and then you've also got micros, which are the vitamins and minerals that we consume also. And all of that plays into um, the health of your body and your body composition. So if you can figure out, which there is a mathematical equation to figure out what your total daily energy need is, right? So how, much, how many calories your body needs to maintain its current body weight. So once you figure that out, you can start to manipulate your calorie intake based on what your goals are. So if you want to stay right where you're at, then you eat right, right around that, that calorie level. If you want to gain weight, then you eat a little bit in a surplus and, and people will gain weight to grow muscles or maybe they just have a you know, maybe they're underweight and they want to gain weight to be more healthy. Um, but you can also lose weight uh, by eating in a calorie deficit, which is really how every diet on the market works, right? Some are just easier to follow and stick to than others. With macros, they teach this on pretty much every macros page, every macros um, outlet that is out there. Um, there's no bad food, right? So you're not restricting ice cream and cookies. If it fits into your calorie day, you can eat it. So I can have the cake or the cookie and still lose weight. Um, and once you learn that, once you learn the appropriate balance and the appropriate proportions for your body, manipulating your body composition, in a sustainable manner, in a controlled manner is very, very easy to do. Um, and it's fun for me. It's fun because like, you know, I'm a, I'm a math nerd and I like the game of fitting together my meals in my day so that I am getting the optimal nutrition for what my goals are. It, it's awesome. I, and, and it does like, even you saying what you just said, it does sound complicated, but it's really not mm -hmm. like, you really not. It, no. Yeah, it's a little intimidating to get started, I think. And depending on who I'm talking to, like you, when, when you first talked to me about it, you're like, tell me about this. I knew that I could throw it all at you and, and you would eat it up because I just, I just knew it. But there's other people that I'm very hesitant when they ask me because I kind of know what their reaction is going to be. Oh, well, I'm not weighing all my food. I'm just going to do it, you know, half-assed and not, sorry, I'm really allowed to swear on here. You're good. Um, <laughs> You're good. <laughs> um, surprisingly, nothing has come out before now. I am very much a sailor and I have a sailor's mouth. But, um, <laughs> anyway, so, you know, it's it can be very intimidating to tell someone that in order to ensure, if, if your goal is weight loss, in order to ensure that you are going to lose weight, you have to ensure that you're in a calorie deficit. And, and the only true way 
to be 100% sure that you're in a calorie deficit is to know exactly what you're consuming. And by weighing all of the food that you are consuming, you can calculate how many calories are in that food and then eat appropriately and and know that you're going to lose weight. Yeah. And, And but there's so many, like I use, I know there's a ton of options, but I use the app called my fitness pal and I have mm -hmm. my fitness pal and my scale and my little measuring Mm -hmm. cup because some things are measured in half a cup. I thought I was your fitness pal. Get away from me. I'm not, I'm talking. (laughs) Um, you're so stupid. Um, and, and I do that and I put it in the, the phone and I have a smoothie every morning and it just, after I put that smoothie in, I just hit reoccurring and I can pop it up. I mean, it, it like, it sounds really daunting, but once like Corinne, like, like you said, once you get going, like I had no idea that I was, wasn't even coming close to enough protein, like not even touching the surface until I started doing this. And I'm like, Oh crap. No wonder I'm not gaining any muscle. Yep. And that's true. You know, and if you're, so when, when we set your protein, um, especially if you're going to be going into a deficit to cut body fat, we set it to a point to where you're probably not going to gain any muscle, but you're not going to lose the lean muscle mass that you currently have as you're cutting body fat, because you're going to give your body enough protein to maintain that lean muscle mass. And you're going to fuel your activities with the carbs and the fats that you're consuming along with the stored energy that is in your body fat. So we want to make sure that you are consuming enough protein to not lose that lean muscle mass. Yeah. And it, it really is. Even for me who I thought I ate a lot of protein, it was an adjustment when I first started. Um, you know, but now I, you know, I see posts, I I'm very, I, I meal prep and I plan ahead. Um, and I tell everybody, I'm like, plan your meals around your protein, divide your protein up through your day, how you like to eat. And, and the first thing you fill is your protein. And then you fill the rest of your meal after that. And hitting protein shouldn't be, shouldn't be an issue. Um, but some people still struggle with it. So, you know, there's always tips and tricks out there to make sure that you're hitting that. But that is definitely the most important macro, if, especially if you're in a cut or even if you're trying to grow because your body can't grow if you're not giving it protein because that's what it uses to build muscle. Yeah. And, and, I know we just threw like a bunch of crazy stuff and some people are probably listening thinking, I know. what the heck, but just go. <laughs> I feel go. like it's all over the place. Well, no, yeah, that, no. So this is a great, this, my next question is when, when are you going to start coaching people? Because it's like, <laughs> uh, it's like, come on, man. We have a dang female warrior here that is a is, is a survivor that has served our country and that is now just ripped and just crushing life yep. like you're just on a whole nother you're on a whole nother dang level first of all i said this the other day on a call i i was taught i was taught i was raised by our women so i have a i, I you are one of the most empowered women that i've ever had a conversation with and if you're a woman and you're trying to you and you're striving for equality with men, you've set the bar too low. 
You, you, you need to reset your bar if all you're striving for is equality because the power that women possess, and specifically the woman we're talking to right here, Corinne, the power and the, the depth of experience that she possesses is, is, uh, is going to be unmatched because her story is totally unique. Mm-hmm. So all that to be said, when are you going to start coaching people, Corinne? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, well, funny you ask. Uh, I actually did just get certified as a personal trainer wow. uh, earlier this summer, and I am a certified nutrition coach, and I'm currently working on strength and conditioning. Um, and then there's, I, I have a whole list of certifications that I want to get, but I'm really enjoying it. Um, and I've started coaching a few people. I'm mostly family right now, um, a friend or two, but uh, my husband was my first guinea pig. Um, he is counting macros. It's taken him a minute to get on board. Um, but he's also working out now. He was having, he's had back problems for a long time. And, uh, I finally convinced him that if he would strengthen the muscles in his back, he would probably feel better. So he's finally listening to me now. I guess he needed a piece of paper from me to tell him that I can, you know, I know what I'm talking about. Um, so, so far we've had some success with Michael and, and his mother is, is, is also tracking macros now and she's having success and my mother and my friend Jen and uh, also my stepson, he called me the other day and was like, Hey, uh, so dad said you got certified. Do you want to help me? I was like, okay. So I am coaching. Um, I'm not sure where it's going to go at the moment. My maybe career and job takes up quite a bit of my time. Um, but I like it a little bit more than I thought I would. I really thought I was just doing it to gain the knowledge for myself because I knew, you know, I, I lost through counting macros. I lost the 10 pounds that I wanted to lose. And then an additional 20 that I didn't know I needed to lose. Um, so I, and I've been able to maintain a leanness that I never, ever thought that I would be able to and just to have that power and still be able to eat the cookies and drink the protein shake with some uh, cold brew Jameson in it um, <laughs> is is very you know it's it's freeing there's there's no restrictions with this lifestyle because it is a lifestyle it's a sustainable diet you know it's I don't even like to call it a diet because it's not a diet it is just it's eating it's how you eat appropriately. Um, and, and with that knowledge, just the ability to manipulate your body and, and make it look how you want it to look is incredible. Um, and, and knowing that you can do that and, and that I can help other people do that is, is really fulfilling. It's really cool. Yeah. I have a feeling when you, when you retire from the Navy, that you're going to have a an amazing career mm-hmm. changing people's lives uh, laid out ahead of you. Yes. Um, it's great mm-hmm. that you have the piece of paper. I think your life is far, the life that you've lived is far <laughs> more valuable, but uh, you do have to have those pieces of paper, and now you've got them. And uh, I just know the, the journey for you is going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Baby, do you have anything else before we wrap it up? Uh, I- I just wanted to tell Corinne, and then you're going to let her tell her social media. Yeah, yeah, totally. I wanted to tell you, Corinne, uh, me and you, you started 80 Day Obsession. And for people who don't know what that is, it's like a beach body program. And they're hour-long workouts, six days a week. 
the, the woman is kind of aggravating and they're really hard. Very. Yeah. I cannot and stand look, that woman. No. And, and Chad, so Chad won't do them with me very rarely because they're so tough. He doesn't like them. No, and it's not that. You, you are lying. I cannot stand that woman. And the <laughs> I, it's hard to keep me focused on lifting weights for an hour straight. It's not just lifting weights. All right. Tell your story. Just admit that it's hard for you. No. Just admit. It is, it, it's a tough, it is a tough workout, but... I freaking hit the TV today because I don't like yeah. that woman so she, much. That's what I wanted to tell Corinne. That's what I wanted to tell her because you mean you were talking about her. He had a band in his hand and she was like talking about something and he slapped the TV with the band and almost Did broke he break our, the TV. Almost, yeah. It, yeah, it changed. It went some like weird colors for a minute. Yeah, I just there I go there I went, letting my emotions lead me and just <laughs> yeah about knocked a hole in the TV. No, but you you can take. But over. I can totally feel you when it comes to that particular trainer. She is uh, she's she's hard to listen to for an hour. Oh, oh my, my word, son! I just I don't know how they did so well with that program because <laughs> it's a good program. Yeah, I she's guess so. aggravating, but. Yeah. No, you wrap it up, baby. I just want yeah, to talk Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, Corinne, I want you to, uh, if, if you don't mind, I know you, right now at this point in your life, you're probably not trying to build a massive social media following, but there are going to be listeners that really resonate with your story, that got a lot from your story, uh, that might want to reach out and thank you or, 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 or seek, seek a little advice. So if you would share where people can find you and follow you at. Um, yeah, so I am on Instagram. I don't post a whole lot there. Maybe I'm going to have to start now. Um, but I am running and point there and I can send this to you guys cause they're a little, um, that's a little confusing. So on top of everything else that I do, I'm also a ballerina. Um, so the, I'm a runner and a ballerina. So that's kind of where that came from running and point. Um, and then I'm Corinne McCorkill Sims on Facebook. And, uh, yeah, I'm happy to have, happy to have other people follow me and I, and I love sharing my story and I'm happy to, to talk to anybody who's struggling, especially if they're struggling with the same, same journey that I have. I mean, nobody has the same journey, but you know, the, the same struggles. Um, so. No, that's amazing yeah. and very, very generous of you, Corinne. And, um, I will link her, I will link your Instagram and your Facebook in the show notes of this episode. And then, uh, of course, when you get your coaching and stuff really stood up and you're ready to uh, to push it out to the public, we'll, 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 we want to help you with that because I want to get as many people linked up with you as we possibly can. You're just crushing it. Um, thank you so much for your time. Uh, thank you so much for your story, for your courage, for your service to our nation. Continued service. Corinne is still active duty um and you know a thank you really doesn't even cut it but that's that's the only words i have right now to say to you yeah no so good to see you thank you for taking the time yes. Corinne. no this has been this has been really cool thank you very much this is it's fun i loved it i miss you guys yeah i miss you too all right guys this is the three of seven podcast enough said <laughs>